All right, guys, thanks for checking out the At The Buzzer podcast. This is your source for everything related to Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, and the Charlotte Hornets. Stay tuned, subscribe, follow along for everything you need to know about the Hornets. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of At The Buzzer. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Knock If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Blazing the Path, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoop Heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. All right, guys, we're back again on At The Buzzer. And I have Hornets Film Room joining me uh, as a special guest today. So thanks for hopping on. And uh, we look forward to diving into the last, you know, five or six games from Hornets Basketball. And we'll also take a look at some general NBA stuff because it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, I talked about this on, on the other episode, but with everything going on with COVID, it's been crazy. So uh, first, let's talk about the Hornets. The last game that you know I talked about was against the Heat, and that game was exciting. But, you know, just a general recap from the last five games, right? They played Philly, Utah, Washington, Houston, and then Memphis. So... What were your overall thoughts from, you know, the last five games? Yeah, first off, thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Excited to talk Hornets. You know, the last, like, uh, five games have been kind of interesting. I think it shows our three-point shooting luck has really caught up to us. Uh, To start the season, we were, like, one of the luckiest teams statistically with people shooting uh, NBA threes. So, like, the fact that, like, Memphis, like, hit 23 on us last night, you know... Like, obviously, Houston performed very well. Utah put up 138 points on us and Philly 118. So this team is not that good. I just, like, want to be very clear. (laughs) It's a fun time to be a Hornets fan. LaMelo Ball is very exciting. You know, Gordon Hayward, it's really nice having a competent basketball player. But uh, the idea that we are, like, a playoff team or, like, even, like, you know, like, outside of, like, maybe we'll make the play-in game is uh, just, like, best case scenario, I think. Yeah, um, I felt really good after that Miami game. 
You know, because that was the third one in a row. And then after Philly and Utah, it was like, it's no surprise because those are the two top teams in the their respective conferences as we speak, right? So uh, kind of like a reality check maybe for the Hornets, but again, they're battling injuries. So um, I, just, you know, Washington and Houston are games you should win, and they won those pretty easily, right? The game last night, the game last night, I was kind of like, uh, they could have beat Memphis, but Memphis is also a good team and probably a Western Conference playoff team at this rate. So, uh, you know, yeah, just 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 a a mixed bag with the Hornets lately, right? Yeah, I I don't even know if Memphis is like going to be a playoff team in the West this year. Um, for me, it's the lack of like big man like depth. Cody Zeller is like, I like a lot. He sets really good screens. He plays good team defense, but he's also just like seven feet with a short wingspan and not a lot of heft to him. So in all of those games, it's like Embiid, Gobert. And then uh, last night with like Jonas Valanciunas, we just don't have the ability to stop like a dominant paint big. And last night, what we saw is a lot of like doubling down on Valanciunas. And then you just kick the ball out enough and you're going to get a lot of open three opportunities against us. Yeah, that's true. And that was my concern going into to those games was who's going to guard Embiid, who's going to guard Gobert. But in all fairness, there's not many players in the league that can guard those two guys, right? So Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, You know, one thing that shocked me last night, and this has been a recurring theme except for the past couple of weeks, was LaMelo Ball's minutes. And he's been playing more minutes lately, but... I saw somebody tweet last night that he didn't play in the fourth quarter at all. Yeah, Borrego is like kind of, I wouldn't say kept him on a tight leash, but uh, last night like benched him for the fourth quarter. And there's a lot of like people on Hornets Twitter that are like very upset about it. They're very like, there's a lot of like, we need to fire Borrego stuff going on, which I think is just a little like out of hand for me. Lamelo is like 19. He played what, like 12 games in the NBL. And now he's like, 25 games into like an NBA schedule. I don't think we need to play him 36 minutes a night. Like I'm, I'm happy he's starting at this point. I think he's kind of earned that spot, but he played 28 minutes. He put up like decent numbers and we sat him at a game that was probably unwinnable. I should he have played more of the fourth if we were really trying to win? Maybe, but I don't think LaMelo affects winning as much as people think at this point. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Um, I mean, they only scored 15 points in the third quarter. So when the fourth quarter rolled around, it seemed like it was out of hand. So, you know, and he's been playing big minutes the last few games with Rozier and Graham, you know, taking turns being injured. So I can understand him not playing him last night. Uh, you know, personally, I love LaMelo Ball. I've, you know, watched him since his Chino Hills days. So uh, it's really cool to see him, like, really f- find his groove lately. I think at the beginning of the year, people were like, oh, you know, he's not as hyped as we thought he would be, but I like his fit on this team. Uh, I'm just really curious to see, you know, when Graham is healthy. I know the other night he had Rozier, Ball, and Graham together. So I don't know if that's a sustainable starting lineup, but, you know, we'll see when Graham comes back and see what Brago does. But I certainly don't think Brago deserves to be fired. I mean, this Hornets team, like you said, they're not a playoff team, essentially, but I think they're good enough for Brigo to keep his job at least through the year, right? Certainly. And they're also like playing very hard. The young guys have developed. And uh, yeah, I, Lamelo is way better than I think anyone really expected him to be. 
when he was at Chino Hill, like, did you have any idea he would be putting? I'm sure Lonzo was like a phenomenon, but if you've been watching him that long, I couldn't imagine this five foot ten guy turning into what he is now. Oh no, for sure. I mean, there was one game where he dropped like ninety two points in high school, but at the same time, that was high school, and he was just chucking up threes and not playing any defense. So I was like, you know, he looked good from an offensive standpoint, and I was like, I don't know. And to be honest, um, I thought Lonzo was going to be the best one. You know, out of the three, I'm not factoring in Leangelo because he's Leangelo. He hasn't really done much. But uh, Lamelo, the last couple of years, and I think his size is just so tough. You know, Lonzo's a great defender and a great, you know, playmaker. But Lamelo's really the star of that family. And the thing that's going to make Lamelo hard to do to deal with in the future is the fact that no one can really guard him as far as point guards go, as far as size is concerned, right? Yeah, that's the big thing for him. His size really gives him just so many advantages. And like, you always like hear like, oh, height is so important, really matters. And uh, LaMelo is a, like a classic case of this. If he was six foot one, I think he's like a bench guard, maybe, you know, but he is not going to be like a future all star, which, you know, who knows if he makes it to that level. I'm optimistic, obviously. But like where he succeeds and I think will continue to succeed is his height and his like length uh, finishes. He's not been a great finisher and has definitely improved in the last 10 games. But I think if he has, by my estimation, probably like a 6'9", 6'10", wingspan, having something like that is just so useful, especially, as you said, against like smaller guards. Trey Young, he definitely showed that off against, is just able to kind of get through guys. Uh, we had DJ Augustin like guarding him for a little bit, and like he's able just to get over those guys and also really helps with his rebounding, which for my money has been the most exciting part of his game and something that is like a clear elite skill in addition to the playmaking. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, <laughs> there was one point early in the year when he was leading the team in rebounding. So it's like, that's awesome for LaMelo, but that's more of a concern for the Hornets. Like your 19 year old point guard shouldn't be leading the team in rebounding, <laughs> right? I'm yeah. I mean, we just don't have like we we don't have a good big. Like that's this is what the team like needs more than anything else. And it's difficult because it's like you kind of look through trades, you look through you know the draft, and it's unclear where like a dominant five man or at least a like Jared Allen style five man is going to come from. And we're bad on the boards, you know. Lamelo is an excellent, excellent point guard rebounder, but uh, PJ Washington's, I would say, like a small, like negative rebounder overall for his position. Cody Zeller's not a great rebounder, you know. Gordon Hayward is fine, and like Rozier and Graham are both pretty small and not great rebounders in their own right. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought up PJ Washington because I got a question uh, on our Twitter account. And, you know, he asked if PJ's production is reliable enough going forward. Is that something you're concerned about or? So he has certainly played worse this year. I think that's like fair to say, especially at the start of the season. But if you like look at his numbers from this year compared to last year, because I, you know, did a little prep work here. His like rebounds are up. His assists are up. His free throw percentage is up. His on off numbers are better. His Raptor score is better. His really the only thing he's doing worse is he's shooting the ball worse. So I think he, if he shoots 42% from the field and 33% from three, he's not like a solid starter caliber guy. If he can get to around 45, 38 where he was last year, that's where he's at. I worry a little bit about his ability to like be more than like a rotational forward. I think if he's not shooting at that like 
so- slightly above like solid or like definitely plus for the four position. It's it's tough, and he's at this point not someone I think the Hornets should take into team building purposes. If in the draft comes up and there's like a four there, we should draft him, even though we have uh, Washington and Bridges both of the four. Yeah, I feel kind of the same, and it's unfortunate because uh, <laughs> I watch a lot of college, and PJ Washington was one guy I loved at Kentucky. Like, just the way he played the game was like, oh, this guy's gonna be a star in the league, and then. I don't know if Charlotte's not the best fit for him or if it's just too many guys that can score the basketball on that team. or I, I don't know what it is, right? But uh, he hasn't lived up to expectations as a 12th overall pick so far. But then again, it's only his second year in the league. So maybe he just needs to kind of find his group. And I think in general, something that's always tough is when guys are like, you know, one of the stars in college on their team, right? And then they go to the NBA and they have to find a new role. They have to figure out what to do, right? Kind of like Obi Topin with the Knicks. With, with, with these different guys, I mean, they're stars on their team. They come in the NBA, and it's a role change. They have to adapt to the game. So I think if PJ can adapt, you know, he's valuable going forward. I just I, – I agree with you. I think they shouldn't, you know, pin him as their foreman of the future and just pass on other people in the draft because – uh We'll dive into the draft, you know, in in another episode. But there's a lot of options coming up in the draft, and I'm not sure what they do in free agency. But he just hasn't lived up to expectations yet, and you know, from a personal standpoint, it's a little disappointing, just because I expected a lot when he was playing at Kentucky. Yeah, I think you have a little bit of a different perspective for me because uh, I wasn't like super optimistic of him when we drafted him. I was really glad we didn't get with uh, Rui Hachimura. That was like my big fear in the draft that year. Very grateful that the Wizards took that out of our hands. For me, the thing that has been disappointing this year is when he gets switches, he doesn't punish guys. And at Kentucky, he had a great like post-up game. And when there were smaller guys on him, he had that like really nice baby hook that he used all the time. And it's not something you see him doing. He instead is like kind of like faded away, taking these like turnaround jumpers, which I just don't think are very useful. They're not good shots. And if you got a guy that you got 40 pounds on and a couple inches, like I want you like digging your butt in and then waiting for the double kicking out or just taking advantage of the score. Yeah, I I, I feel the same. Um, I do like him, though, as a as a foreman. I just. I mean, obviously, they have to fix this team going forward, and uh, the guards are fine. Hayward is obviously playing well, so I think just get a couple bigs, and I mean, this Hornets team is looking good for the future. Um, you know, over the last few games, one guy I've really liked watching is, is Bridges. He's been just so fun to watch, and just, again, he's figuring out his role, and I mean, he had a double-double last night with 15 and 10, so if he could do that going forward... I mean, that's exciting, right? Yeah, Bridges is like easily, outside of LaMelo, the most like highlight guy. He's a lot of fun. His attitude, like he's easily the best Twitter presence of any of the Hornets, <laughs> you know. He seems to be a guy who really cares and he plays hard. My knock on him is he's always been pretty bad defensively and he is not like a stud offensive player. So I think he is really more of a natural four and I'm glad he's like, I think, played almost all of his minutes at the four this year which is tough for like a 6'6 guy. He's a guy, if he was four inches taller, he could be like, you know, Stromile Swift, Sean Kemp, like that style of player, which would be super useful. 
He's defense has gotten better this year, though. I don't want to like totally trash him on that area. His like team defense is where he's really lacking. He's like late on rotations, just sometimes like kind of freezes out there, which is obviously not what you want, especially in Borrego's system, which is very much tied to like string defense. So I, I love his connection with Lamelo. His uh, alley oop dunks are a ton of fun, but. If you can't like get to the free throw line that much as a guy who's going to be relying on scoring around the rim, it's tough for me. Um, and he's a guy who I like, and I'm glad he's playing better. And I root for all the Hornets guys. I want them all to be really good. But I'm, I think, less bullish on Miles Bridges overall than most people. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. Uh, and yeah, he's, you know, he's never been a good defender, and that, that was always a knock on him, right? But, um. Hopefully he can just figure out his role, and I mean, he's a good depth piece going forward for the Hornets in the future. So uh. certainly, and like he's a guy who I would be very happy if he spent ten years with the Hornets if we pay him, you know, eight million dollars a year as opposed to seventeen million dollars a year. And I think that's like where it kind of gets tough for when when you like draft like all these lottery picks. You either want to like hit a home run, or honestly, if they burn out, it's even better because you're like, cool, that guy's not good. Let's move on. You know, Frank Kaminsky, not good. We're going to just, like, let him go. But Miles Bridges has definitely put up some production, has, like, a lot of flash stuff. His playmaking is really flash this season as well. And it's difficult with what do you do with a guy like that at the end of the year when his extension time is up. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong, but, you know, when I watch Bridges and think about Bridges, it's kind of reminds me a little bit of the Kyle Kuzma situation. Like, in Kuzma's first couple of years, he was like, trying to be this guy that was, like, trying to earn a max deal. And then, you know, last year he finally figured out, I don't have to do that. I just have to play a little defense, get some rebounds, score when needed. And, I mean, they gave him a three-year extension for $30 million, which is good money for him and, you know, a good deal for, for L.A. So, I think if Bridges can kind of be that guy, like, you know, $10 million a year for Bridges in the future is, is decent for a guy that's going to give you minutes and score points and, apparently get you rebounds when needed. So maybe that's something they could kind of do going forward, right? Yeah, certainly. I'm I'm definitely in agreement there. Like, I, I'm rooting for Miles Bridges. I want to be very clear. Uh, and I think he's easily, he's so much fun. The Lamelo Ball to Miles Bridges, Airbnb, you know, MB2, whatever you want to call it, has been like a total blast, you know. And I... It really will come down to like his shooting and if he can ever become an average defender. If he can be an average defender, there's definitely a place for him. Like even maybe as like a starter at the four, um, definitely would be a lower tier starter. But if he cannot, this year he's gone from like one of the worst defenders in the league to just a bad defender. And if that can keep improving, and he's still young, I think he's like 22, 23 years old. So I'm definitely a guy who I think I was definitely wrong on previously. At the end of his last season, I had kind of ridden him off. I was like, this guy doesn't have it. And he's showed me a lot more than I expected. Yeah, that last year was a weird year for him. So uh, I don't know if it's LaMelo opening up more. Gordon Hayward also helps being there. Just another year in the NBA. And last year was just weird in general. So, you know, kind of throw that out as a exception. But uh, staying on the bench, I want to talk about one more player is uh, Malik Monk. What are your thoughts on Malik Monk? Because he had that huge game against the Heat and then just kind of fizzled out. And, I mean, another guy that came out of college and could shoot lights out. But do you think he's part of the future in Charlotte? Or do you think they just cut their loss and 
and call it a day with Monk? Yeah, it's a great question. I think Monk is one of the more interesting cases on the Hornets right now, because like what you said in college, he was like a lights out shooter. I remember him like dropping, I think it was like 37 points against UNC in the tournament and him and Fox looked so good and phenomenal. And he just hasn't been an above average shooter in the NBA. And it's tough when you are like 6'2", 6'3", you're, he's clearly not a point guard, doesn't have the ball handling chops to like make it. And this season, he's like shown that he can get to the rim, which I think is his best skill. He's a good straight line driver. I There are like certain people who say that he's like an excellent defender, which I think is just untrue. I think he's merely an okay defender. He rotates pretty well. But his like size, like both like from a physicality standpoint, he can get bullied on ball. You saw that a bit with like against Doug McDermott in the Indiana game, who had a big game against him. And then his lack of length, I think, hurts his team defense overall. Uh, he's like, I think, last in deflections of guys actually getting real minutes on the team. Um, that being said, he can score. And I think anybody who can like you give the ball to and they can produce like somewhat efficiently deserves a spot in the league. I'm betting he's gone at the end of the year, which is like kind of sad, but I just don't know if the team who has kind of like benched him so much of his career, he'd want to resign for. And I don't know what we'd really be looking for uh, bringing him back when we have such a crowded guard lineup. I think he gets into the question like, is Rogier on this team? Is Graham on this team? I don't know. What about you? Of those, let's say Lamelo's there to stay of Rozier, Graham and uh, Monk, who would you most want to keep on the Hornets team coming going forward. That's tough. Uh, to be honest, I think, you know, the last few games I like when Ball and Monk are on the court together. But then at the same time, and the thing I like about Monk is that he can shoot, but then there's a lot of times where he could just take the ball and initiate the offense and just drive it, drive it in the paint. And I think that's valuable, especially with Ball, because LaMelo can play well initiating and then he can also play well off the ball but I I also think Monk is gone at the end of the year and I think the guy to keep out of the bunch would be Graham just because Graham can score the ball and I think he makes the most sense next to LaMelo ball just because in the next two three years LaMelo is going to be the guy bringing the ball up the court essentially every possession and I think uh if he's not, then that's an issue. But LaMelo needs to be the guy initiating the offense. So in order for that to happen, you need a kind of a a shooter next to him. And I think Monk just has too many inconsistencies in his game. And as far as Rozier, I like Rozier. I just personally, I feel like he's more of a point guard. And so that's why I'm not a huge fan of like LaMelo and Rozier on the floor together. But LaMelo covers it up because he can play so well off the ball. So... To answer your question, I think Graham is a guy going forward out of those three. Um, but it's tough, you know. I also think Graham has the most the most potential just because Monk is disappointed. And, I mean, Graham's lo- season last year was so good. He was so good off the bench. And, like, he could just score the ball so easily. So that that's, that's what I think going forward. But it's tough. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Graham is the guy who's clearly the best of those three. And I think the also upside of Graham is I think he fits next to Lamelo in the starting lineup just due to his spacing. But also, like, worst case scenario, he becomes like a very good six man who can both run the second unit, but also score next to Lamelo. You know, he has defensive shortcomings, but he 
you know, I think his assist to turnover ratio is something like 5.5 to 1 right now. Like, those guys help you win games. And I would rather stick with Graham in the long term than either Monk or Rozier. Yeah, speaking of Graham, I thought he should have got some votes for a six-man of the year last year. So uh, it was a little surprising that he didn't. He uh, started the majority of the season. I don't think he would have qualified for it because he came off the bench to start the season. But the last, like, 40 or so games, he he started for us. Yeah, but I I do like him uh, off the bench. Uh, That brings me to my next question because, you know, Graham's out. Not too sure when he's coming back. Um, doesn't seem like it'll be too long, but you know when he does come back, you think they stick with that three guard lineup with Graham Rozier and Ball as the starters? I think that is where Borrego is going to end up. Uh, that unit has like the best of any three man unit, the best like plus minus uh, of any like lineup of three man on the team. I think it's also just going to be difficult for political reasons to put Lamelo back on the bench to take someone like Graham, who was a starter, put him on the bench, or someone like Rogier, who's our second highest paid player, and put him on the bench. So even though that lineup, I get that people don't like it because it requires at least two guys who do better with the ball in their hand to play off ball. I think that's where it will start out, and then guys will stagger. I think like at the eight-minute mark, one like Graham will sub out, or Rogier will sub out. And closing games, I think it's more interesting... I think that is a place where we probably will only have two of the three. But to start, I think all three of those guys will start games for us. Yeah. Um, speaking of the starting lineup, I think people get a little bent out of shape. Like, oh, Lamelo's not starting. Like, I get it. But, you know, you brought up a great point because, you know, it's cliche. But it's not about how you start. It's how you finish. Totally. Right? So it's, totally. It's it's what's on the floor at the end that's going to matter, you know? Like. I'm going to bring this up just because it, off the top of my head I can think about it, but, you know, JaVale McGee started for the Lakers last season. But then at the end of the game, he wasn't really anywhere to be found. So it doesn't didn't matter that he started because at the end of the day, Frank Vogel knew what lineup to put out there. So I think James Brago gets a lot of a lot of heat for it. And, I mean, he stuck to his guns. I'll give him that because he kept bringing Lamelo off the bench even though he got criticism. So, I mean, that's a bold move. But at the end of the day, you can start whoever you want, but the final five on the floor for the last few minutes is, especially in, in close games, is what's going to win or lose this game. So I think that's when like people, they just tend to overreact on. Um, so I think the three guard starting lineup is is good, and then you know Hayward is at the four, and then who plays the five? It has to be Zeller, right? Yeah, it's going to be Zeller unless you go small ball with PJ at the five. Uh, the sad thing is, you know, McGee definitely would never sh- uh, close games with a five, but for us, he might, you know, it's a sort of a crazy situation. Uh, I think I- I'm with you. I don't care who starts that much. I think Melo deserves it for how successful he has been as a starter, but I don't really care. The kid's a rookie. He's playing great. I don't want him hurting himself. And like, as you look at Lonzo, who has a bunch of injury history, it's something that I'm like secretly scared about with Lamelo that hasn't really been discussed much yeah that's understandable um yeah I, I totally get that and it, it'll be interesting once Graham comes back um but again like I said I'm not really too crazy about it it's it's awesome to see Lamelo start because I think he deserves it he's definitely played well the last 
I mean, really, you could say the last month or so, he's really played well. So I think he deserves to start. But at the same time, Rozier and Graham both deserve to start. Like, neither one of them has played bad enough to be delegated to a bench role. So, Certainly not. Um, and yeah. I think Lamelo is just a ton of fun. People want, you know, you don't want, like, a party to start and then 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, you open up the beers. You know, you want it like, <laughs> let's get going right off the bat. And I think that's where a part of it comes from is once Lamelo gets in the game, it kind of gets exciting again. And I understand as like a pure entertainment perspective, Lamelo starting is the way to go about it. From a basketball perspective, I think it's more of a up for discussion. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, Lamelo's fun. He's awesome to watch, you know, and people get a little bent out of shape because, you know, ESPN and Bleacher Report, they're just posting about Lamelo nonstop. But he's just so exciting. Like people like that are marketable for a reason. And I think, you know, Charlotte definitely needed LaMelo, but as far as market goes, like, they hit a home run with that pick because now they're just, like, like, these national media types are just going to the Hornets because of LaMelo. So, as far as that's concerned from a market standpoint, that's a home run of a pick, as as long as they keep him for the future, so. Totally. We had a New York Times article written about us by, like, Jonathan Abrams, so I was like, oh my god, we're, this is such a different season for the Hornets than we've ever had. And, like, even when we've had good players, like, Kimba Walker was clearly the best player in the history of the franchise, and he was exciting at points, but how he scored and how he performed, it's a different level of entertainment with LaMelo out there. He is, he's a basketball genius. His playmaking is just truly incredible. He makes passes that even if you, like, pause the game, you wouldn't know where the ball was going, how he was going to throw there. Just his ability to pass with both hands, the behind the back passing... And, you know, I love the full court pushes. He's had a couple turnovers on that recently, but uh, he, he's a blast. It's a joy. I was so high on him pre-draft. I was, I, I'm not a James Wiseman guy. I was really scared we were going to, you know, either trade up for James Wiseman or he was going to fall to us. And I called like my best friend on the phone as the picks were coming in, like not checking Twitter. And when we got LaMelo, I screamed at the top of my lungs. My girlfriend's <laughs> in grad school. Her whole Zoom class heard me like shout the F word really loud. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm so glad he's on the team. That's funny. Yeah, I was really high on him. Like I said, I've followed him for a long time. So I felt like, uh, to be honest, I felt like he was the best player in this draft. And that's why I was surprised that like, the Timberwolves didn't even consider him for the number one pick, and I get that they have D'Lo over there, so but maybe it's D'Lo. Fifth- who cares? He's not that good. Like it's not. <laughs> that, that's Then exa- <laughs> that's exactly the thing. I'm like, Anthony Edwards is great. Don't get me wrong. He's a really good player, but as far as potential goes and ceiling, like Lamelo clearly has the ceiling, and maybe teams were scared because of the Le- Levar thing and everything that happened with Lonzo and the Lakers, but Levar is. Nowhere near as involved as he was when Lonzo was on no, the Lakers. No, so, <laughs> and, and that's good because, you know, to be honest, I couldn't stand LeVar with everything that was going on with Lonzo. And he just, like, brought in that that sense of, like, entitlement and just, like, just more media attention than the Lakers already have that they didn't need. But I was really surprised that LaMelo wasn't getting consideration for the top pick in the draft. So when he dropped to three... And I know three isn't really a drop, but that's a big drop for a guy that's probably the best player in this draft class and probably going to win rookie of the year. Yeah, you don't really see the 
at this point, probably the clear best player in the draft dropped a three all that often, especially when there isn't like a number two guy who it's not like a, you know, Greg Oden, Kevin Durant situation, you know, just like James Wiseman, I think, projects to be like a decent starting center. And Anthony Edwards, uh, dude is crazy. Like he has such insane athleticism from his leaping to his sprinting to even his balance is really incredible. But I don't like his feel. I don't know if he ever put it together. I don't even know if he likes basketball, which I think is limiting from becoming a great player. Um, Lamelo loves loves the ball. That guy that guy is a basketball player, and it's him and Hayward are two guys who can really play. And as someone who's been a Hornets fan, like I really started watching them uh, pretty hardcore in like 2011 when we were seven and 56. Like that was the year I got in because I felt like I needed to earn it. Um, this has been the most fun year of Hornets basketball I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think I don't want to talk about LaMelo too much longer, but he's just such an awesome guy to talk about. But to be honest, the thing that I really like about LaMelo is like, he doesn't have, you know, that cockiness that maybe people thought he was going to have, but he's embracing like Hayward and he listens to Biombo and he's listening to Brega like, He's taking everything in that he can, and you could tell it's translating because, I mean, when you have a guy like Gordon Hayward telling you things, you're going to listen. So, it's just cool to see, like, his humbleness and just his ability to learn the game. And if he can continue to embrace that, like, that's huge going forward. And that's even shows the Gordon Hayward signing. You know, people said they overpaid for him. But if he can, you know shape Lamella ball into the star player like that's a huge signing when it comes down to it i completely agree i was pretty low on the hayward signing especially how he handled the batum stretch it feels just like such a miss in a lot of ways but i do think having someone who is like the clear number one option hayward's the number one option on this hornets team is really useful for Lamelo and his overall development so he's not doing what he did in the nbl where he literally no one else can score so he has to take these horrible contested off the dribble threes and shoot (laughs) terribly on them he doesn't have to do that he can pick his spots and i think that's super useful for him becoming the player that he could be yeah i i got into a debate with the one of the sites i write for some of the editors were like lamello's gonna be a bust in the league and i was like he's gonna be great just just let let me show you and i wrote like a 1500 word article on it and then like a week ago, I messaged him. I was like, "Okay, so you're gonna take back uh, what you said about Lamelo." <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's just cool to see, you know. But he's such an exciting player. So, uh, you know, I want to talk about the next couple games for the Tim- for the the Hornets. I said Timberwolves because I'm looking at the schedule. Uh, they play Minnesota, San Antonio, and Chicago. Uh, what you, what do you think their record's gonna be for those next set of games? I'm gonna say we're gonna go one and two. I I think we beat the Timberwolves. I think Cat's still like coming back from COVID. It's a tough situation. Also, they're just not very good. Um, San Antonio, they're not a team that has a ton of upside, but they're still well coached. They got good players on there. You know, Demar Derozan, for better or for worse, can score the basketball. Chicago's the one that's kind of up in the air for me. Zach Levine has a tendency just to go off on the Hornets. He just always, I feel like, drops 40 to 50 on us. Um, I I think we're going to, like, lull a little bit over the next couple weeks. But uh, I think 2-1, best case scenario, I think we lose to the Spurs no matter what. Yeah, 
I'm I'm with you there. I'm really iffy on the Bulls game because Levine's last three games, he has 39, 35, and 46. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, he's on fire lately, and uh, that's just a guy that I think the Hornets have trouble containing. So I think Minnesota should be a win. I mean, they're the worst team in the league record-wise, record-wise behind uh, the Pistons. And then San Antonio's, like you said, they, they're one of my most confusing teams this year because at the beginning of the year, I was like, they're not a playoff team. And then all of a sudden, they're hanging around and they're winning some games. So I don't see them being San Antonio, but the Chicago game is up in the air. Um, I think they'll end up losing to Chicago, especially if Levine keeps playing like that. I mean, he easily dropped 50 points a night. And then Kobe White had 30 last night. So that's that's a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, and there's the just no games. stopper. There's no one the Hornets can throw on to contain them. We have like zero plus defenders, in my opinion, on this roster, with the exception of like, you know, maybe Jalen McDaniels, who was like not even with the team because he's down with the in the G League bubble right now. Yeah, that that's a. Yeah, that's always tough, right? Especially with the good guard play in the NBA. So uh, we won't talk about next Friday's game against Denver because, yeah, the the stretch for the end of February is Denver, Golden State, Utah, Phoenix, Golden State, and Sacramento. That is a tough, brutal stretch. Yeah, Golden State. It's not good when Golden State is like your best opportunity for wins, you know? Um, Denver's going to crush us. I mean, Murray could shoot horribly and Jokic could, I don't know, die perhaps, but uh, I I don't feel good about our chances there. It's funny. I was talking to my friend the other day. I was like, when's the last time we said that Phoenix and Utah were problems on the schedule, like (laughs) both of them together, right? So it's it's crazy how the games just uh, turn around, but. Yeah, turns out Chris Paul good at basketball. Another player turns out he's good at basketball. You know, you got to respect it. I, I'm, I'm surprised. You know, he hasn't been good for a long time, right? So, that's funny. Um, you know, with the trade deadline approaching, and you talked about Zeller and you know their center rotation. Do you think the Hornets make a trade, or you think they're just play this year out and then just deal with stuff in the summer? So I. I spent some time like going through possible trades and there just really aren't that many that are like super interesting because ideally you want, they need a big, they need like you would want a young five who can finish at the rim. And with Jared Allen being moved, I don't really see Cleveland trading him again. So I got a couple different ideas, none of which I think are likely to happen, but I'll throw out a trade and you let me know. You think neither team would do it. One team would do it. Or it's like, they got to do it. It's a great deal. So the first one I got, which I personally don't really love for the Hornets, but makes some sense. And it's Jackson Hayes, the Cleveland 2021 second for Devontae Graham. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. But then, you know, that goes against my point of uh, me wanting to keep Certainly, me too. Me too. But but Hayes is a guy with upside, so I think you know it's worth a, a risk. It it just depends on how the team views Graham. Uh, I could see both teams doing that, to be honest. I think this having like Devonte next to Zion would really help with their spacing over a guy like Eric Bledsoe. You know, Graham's like on that small deal, so like flipping him for like Jackson Hayes, like salary wise works. I think you do need the additional second because like Hayes really hasn't proved much. 
Also, the fact that like Hayes is, you know, being benched in favor of like Willie Hernan Gomez. Maybe there's like a chance where it's hard because there's just no good Hornets asset that is in that range. We've already traded away all our seconds. This year, we only have like the Nets and the Clippers second. And I'm not going to trade like a first for Jackson Hayes. So the next one I got (laughs) is uh, Mo Bamba for either the Martin Twins plus the better of the Brooklyn or Clippers second. Uh, plus the 2023 Boston seconds. So basically two seconds, for, two mediocre seconds to bad seconds for Mo Bamba. Uh, I can see both teams taking that. I think the Magic are just like, I mean, call it a loss with Mo Bamba and, and the, especially how high he went in the draft. Uh, I, but I do think Mo Bamba is a guy that has talent and has potential. He just has to kind of figure out a role. And I mean, Mo Bamba's a guy that Charlotte could really, at the end of the day, just throw him in the starting lineup and let him just figure it out on his own. So I think that's a a good trade, and you're not really giving up too much by giving up one of the Martin twins. But, I mean, maybe the, the Martin twins are a package deal. They've been a package deal their whole career. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, I'd be fine moving on from the Martin twins. I don't know if the Magic would do it. I feel like it's really selling low on Bamba. But uh, he's, he's not playing. He's not looked good. For me, it's like a we're you know it's a lottery ticket on Bamba or it's a scratch off. We're gonna lose, but there's a chance something is there and it's kind of fun. Um, so the last one, it's not for a big, but just thinking about like team building and where we're at with our guard rotation. I think Terry Rozier has been like he, he's turned into an elite three point shooter. Uh, at the past two years, he's shooting three uh, seven three point attempts per game at forty two percent. Uh, he's like around like 49% on all catch and shoot threes this year. So my deal would be Rogier for Danny Green plus a lottery detected first from Philly. And the lottery detected for first becomes two seconds if it uh, doesn't convey. That's not a bad deal. Um, I think from the Philly side, I'm not sure if they take that just because of um, the fact that Philly's trying to win a title and Green somehow has won the last couple of years. I mean, he's been part of the team. So he has championship demeanor, championship qualities. As bad as he could have been on the Lakers last year, we won't talk about the shots that he missed on the stretch, but I wouldn't mind that. Um, I think Green, the, the best thing about Green for me is that he can play defense at a really high level, and that's what the Hornets need more than anything is a guy that can play defense. Yeah, right? I think his defense has slipped a little bit the past couple of years, but he's clearly a better defender than Rozier and has like a little bit more size than Rozier. Really, you're just kind of being like, I don't believe in Green to be the shooter he once was. He's shooting under 40% from the field right now. Like, I think it's like 35% from three, where Rozier, you're getting a guy who's averaging 18, putting up like 48, 42, and 80 I, I'm with you. I don't do the steal if I'm the uh, the 76ers, but for the Hornets, picking up assets, being like, Rozier's done great, but we have a logjam at guard. Let's roll with Graham, Ball, and maybe Monk, depending on how the rest of the season goes. But what about you? Any other trade ideas you came up with for these uh, for this Hornets squad? Not really, and I think just because I don't know if they're really going to go out and try to trade for anybody... For anybody, to be honest, I mean, right now they're in the middle of, they're hanging around the Eastern Conference playoffs, and I think at the end of the day, if they make the playoffs, they're content with that. So, and then just deal with stuff in free agency. Um, 
Uh, they just need a big. <laughs> they need a big so bad. So bad. They like, need a big so bad. And it's like, it's so I don't bad. want Andre Drummond, you know? Like, Andre Drummond isn't yeah. going to give you that much more than Cody Zeller is. Like, it's it's hard to find a fit right now for, their, you know, where they're at. Yeah, and that's why I think at the end of the day, they just... Maybe they make a little trade. Um, I, and, you know, I hate to say this, but to be honest, they're not going to compete for an Eastern Conference title. I think that's obvious, right? So, oh, I, I thought we were winning it all this year. I really thought uh, <laughs> Lamelo was the goat. He's going to put up uh, thirty, ten, and ten. It's going to be incredible. Hayward's going to prove the haters wrong, and uh, Bismack Biombo is actually a defensive player of the year candidate. So, uh, I'm I, we're far off on that take. I gotta say, <laughs> uh, that's funny though. But um, hey, some people out there have high hopes for their team and and there's nothing wrong with that right you can root for them all you want and have high hopes but i was that's why i think i think they just stand pad and just if they make the playoffs they're going to be ecstatic just making the playoffs so i think evaluate in the summer and uh kind of figure it out i love this team i love the hornets i don't think they're a playoff team i think maybe they make the play in game like there's a chance they slip into that but they're not that good. Like, we got to be clear. Bismack Biombo is getting rotational minutes on this team. And, like, <laughs> I, I love Biz, but uh, he, he is a bench big at best. He should not be, like, your backup, let alone, like, starting. Like, I think he's started, like, 12 games this year. So, Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why Bims is uh, getting minutes. That's why it's frustrating because it's like, just play McDaniels even before he went to the G League the Julie bubble just give him some minutes like what do you have to lose right but i mean i don't know totally it's the weird place where it's like are we trying to win now it seems like we are with hayward so you don't want to like risk stuff with like jalen who like makes mistakes defensively sometimes but just has a lot of tools i and i just think uh the two rookie bigs we drafted are are not gonna work out uh, not taking xavier tillman at 32 and going with Vernon carey is going to haunt me for the next 10 years <laughs> yeah th- that that's tough but i mean just looking at the standings right now you know charlotte's seventh and they're only <laughs> really you go from the seven seed to the 13 seed and they're all separated by two and a half games totally. so a lot can change a lot can change from yeah. uh when it comes down to it i just want to talk about just quickly some general nba stuff and uh get your take on it the All-Star game, you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? I'm not in favor of it. I'm with the players. Like, they're making... We're in a pandemic. Like, it's a scary time right now. And, like, people are... So many people are dying all the time not to get, like, super morbid. And we're not, like, letting players handshake after games. But we're going to bring, like, you know, 24 guys together to play, like, an All-Star game. I get it's money. It's like $30 million or whatever. They'd be losing by not doing it. I understand that's why they're doing it, but I think it sucks at the same time. Yeah. I'm just like, and that's the thing, right? The NBA is doing this for money. And and I think that's the only reason they're doing it. To be honest, like the players don't want it. They voice their, their opinions on it pretty clearly. At least most of them like Giannis and LeBron and De'Aaron Fox. Damian Lillard came out and said, I'll do it if I have to, but he's like, he didn't seem too crazy no, about it, right? No, so, not at all. And then, you know, with that, it's like everything that happened last week with KD, like that situation was just a mess. And mm-hmm. and it comes down to this, like, I understand why the NBA wants to have it, but if one player from that game 
test positive, then you have a whole yeah. Just, just imagine if your all your stars can't play for like you know three weeks because of COVID. You know, like would be such a catastrophe, and you know puts people's lives at risk. It would be yeah, a hundred percent with you there, man. Yeah, it's. I was like, okay, maybe the NBA is going to go out and say, okay, we changed our mind after the KD situation. And then last yesterday, Waz tweeted out that they're going to move the the dunk contest to halftime of the game. I'm like, I mean, uh, I, I'm not too sure, but it seems like they're pretty set on having it. So I just, I don't like it, and I just hope nothing happens with the players. And uh, I love watching the All Star game, but. Just skip it this year. It's, it's I'm with simple. you. The dunk contest, three point contest. I like got to go see it in New Orleans. It was like, it was not even a fun like All Star Skills Weekend, but it was so much fun. And uh, yeah, but I'm with you. Skip it this year. Still have the selections. People need it for like Hall of Fame stuff. It still matters to vote for it, but we don't need the game. Yeah. And then uh, last thing I talked, I want to discuss before wrapping up the show. And again, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm really excited that the Hornets are hanging around and i think they've surprised a lot of people but just from a general nba standpoint are there any teams that have surprised you from either a good a good way or a bad way it's such a weird season so it's like hard to say like dallas isn't good anymore their offense isn't that good but like they've performed a little bit worse than i expected jazz have been better than i expected i i think mike conley is really lived up to what they hoped for in that trade last year and i think whether it was like injury or adjusting to a new system he's looked much better and is like really hitting it from three i think that's been kind of like the team i'm most excited for and i mean orlando's been a lot worse but they've been kind of injury ravaged so i i don't know i there's no nothing has really surprised me because like covid stuff has made everything so crazy yeah i can definitely understand that i think uh Dallas has just been so bad. I, I, I still can't believe it. And a couple weeks ago, I said, Dallas is going to figure it out. They're going to turn it around. And still, they're 12 and 14. I mean, they're 4 and 6 in their last 10. It's just, I, I don't know what's going on over there. I was never too crazy about their bench pieces this year. And I think the loss of Seth Curry hurts more than people thought. Yeah, Seth Curry tur- is better than I anticipated him being. And he's like been pretty good for like Philly to start this year. And yeah, I'm I'm with you. Dallas, Luka has been great. People are saying Luka has not played well, like Luka's whiny, whatever. Maybe that's true. Who cares? He's still, at worst, a top 10 player in the league. But the rest of the pieces, like Porzingis is not worth a max deal, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. He's He's been a disappointment uh, the last couple of years. And I, I feel bad for Luka because they say he's whining, like you said, but... He's carrying this team every single night. So the fact that he's frustrated is understandable. Like, he's giving it his all every single game. And he has bad shooting nights. Everyone in the league has bad shooting nights at some point. So I don't see Dallas missing the playoffs, though, at the end of the day. I really don't see them missing the playoffs. I'm with you. I think they either get in through the playing game. I don't think they're going to be, like, a five or six seed. But... Luke is too talented, I think, to let them slip by with nothing happening. Yeah. And the other team, the other team I'm really disappointed in is, is the Wizards. Like, when they got Westbrook, I was like, Westbrook and Beal is a great pairing. And they're 
Six and sixteen. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA. They've just been so disappointed this year. They're really bad. Like uh, uh <laughs> we played them recently and like the Vegas line had the Wizards favored by one, and I was like, that's crazy. This is like easy money if you're like willing to throw some money on behind the Hornets. And Westbrook is still able to put up numbers, but neither of them care on defense. And then their big situation is just kind of a travesty, you know. It's tough when, like, I guess Denny is their best defender in their starting lineup, and he's, like, a rookie who is not even great on defense. Yeah. I thought they'd be way better. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, th- the last thing is, you know, you talked about Utah, and they're 20-5, and five, and somehow, I mean, they're 9-1 in their last 10. Like, they just aren't losing, but do you think they have a shot to end the year as a one seed in the West? I think they got to be playing as hard as they possibly can to be the one seed because if they're the one seed i think that means that both la teams go two and three and it's way easier winning an nba championship only having to play one of those la teams i think they have no chance if they become a two seed and they have to beat the lakers and the clippers i think it's too much for them to be able to pull off so if i'm them i'm giving everything i can in the regular season if there is home court advantage taking advantage of that and uh Hoping that I can get lucky on some three-pointers, you know, come uh, playing a team that is probably better than me. Yeah, I think uh, I can't see them finishing the year as the one seed, but the only thing I will say to that is that it's going to be one of the LA teams if it's not Utah. And the Lakers have just been so confusing because they'll bring it some nights and then the last three games they went to overtime. Against the Pistons, the Thunder, and then again the Thunder. So it's like, yeah, yeah. These are these are teams you should be dominating. So I mean, it's weird, but I think in general the West is pretty much set with the top eight, and then the East is just I I never know what's going to happen in the East. All those teams are separated by just so few games. Like it can be a total flip flop. So it's the first chunk of the season is over. So it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, who comes out from each of the conferences and and really just what happens with the playoffs. So um, that's really all I had. And uh, I just appreciate for coming on. And uh, yeah, man, give us a follow on Twitter. Yeah. Th- What's th- your Twitter handle again? Uh, yeah, f- follow me at uh, Film Hornets. Uh, really appreciate you having me on. This has been a ton of fun. Um, first time I'm doing a podcast. So uh, really appreciate the invite. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, man. And uh It'll be interesting to see how the Hornets play these next couple games before their brutal stretch uh, from the Western <laughs> Conference to end the yeah, month. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a chance to really get it rolling before they face those tough teams. So again, thanks for for joining and uh, stay tuned for for more stuff regarding the Hornets and just just some general NBA stuff. So thanks again, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started.
All right, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the At The Buzzer podcast, your source for everything related to the Charlotte Hornets. Feel free to leave a review, rate, subscribe on any of your favorite podcast platforms, and stay tuned for much more related to your Charlotte Hornets.